Hey there, I'm Sarah K. Hoffman, a holistic health coach and chief gutsy of a gutsygirl.com. I went from bloated, gassy, and infertile to living my best life with a strong microbiome and a very full house. On this show, no topic is too stinky to discuss and everything can be broken down into practical, digestible takeaways. So grab a cup of bone broth, veggie broth, or a soothing golden latte if you prefer, and come along as I show you how the number two might just be your new number one. Hello, thank you for joining me for episode 56 of the A Gutsy Girl podcast. I am Sarah K. Hoffman, aka A Gutsy Girl, your host for this show, author of The Leaky Gut Meal Plan and A Gutsy Girl's Bible, a 21-day approach to healing the gut creator of the digital course, Gut Healing for Beginners, and last but certainly not least, Chief Gutsy over at agutsygirl.com. Today, we are going to talk all about cellular health, detoxification, and why it's all important. My guest today can be found on Instagram at, and I'm going to spell it for you, P like Paul, A-O-L like Lion, A, X, like xylophone, H-U-L-I. And why do I even mention Instagram? Simple. Because her Instagram is what completely pulled me in wanting to sit down and chat with her. Just look and you'll see what I mean. One of my favorite parts of the episode is when I ask her about her days, what they look like, and what she actually does from a health standpoint throughout them. I'm pretty sure you're going to find it as equally of interest. So here is more on today's guest. Paola is a functional nutritionist and detox specialist that specializes in stimulating the body's natural self-healing and self-regulating mechanisms to tackle health issues and symptoms. Her main research focus areas are mitochondrial health, gut health, parasites, drainage and detox, and hormonal imbalances. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Agutsi Girl podcast, Paola. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I am so grateful that you are here and that we are finally getting the chance to sit down. Our first session that we were supposed to have got canceled and moved back, but no problem because whenever the timing is right is when it's supposed to be. So I'm just really grateful that you're able to join me today. Let's get started. If you just want to tell everyone about yourself, who you are, where you live, what you do, and anything else. Hello, everyone. My name is Paula. I'm a holistic functional nutritionist. I'm also a public health professional. I have a master's in public health, focusing on health management and policy, but I'm also a certified holistic nutritionist. I don't so much use my public health degree at the moment, but I do work with clients worldwide to help them with their nutritional needs and a bunch of other issues that they deal with, whether it's gut health, autoimmunity, anything really, toxicity, environmental toxins, stuff like that. I live in Pennsylvania, United States. I also travel a lot. So that's really what I'm planning to do moving forward, just traveling the world and working from other countries as well. I love what I do. And yeah. Great. So I found you because I just find your Instagram fascinating. I tend to 
gravitate towards the Instagram accounts that are very educational and that put whatever expertise people have into a very digestible way. And you definitely do that. I will absolutely link to your Instagram, but for everyone listening, really her Instagram is just a wealth of knowledge and information. And I brought her on the show today because she talks a lot about cellular health and detoxification in order to really obtain optimal health and gut health in particular. That is where we are going to just jump right into. To start this conversation, can you describe exactly what we mean when we say cellular health? When we look at a human being, every human is really a big bag of cells. We are made of trillions of cells. They are the smallest unit in our body that can actually sustain life. So when somebody has healthy cellular health, what that means, they also have healthy tissues because tissues are made of cells. Now, tissues also make organs. So if you have healthy cells, you also have healthy organs. If you have healthy organs, you also have healthy organ systems. And then healthy organ systems make a healthy human being. So if we were to really go to the bottom of it, we're really talking about cellular health. And when I meet somebody and they come to me, they're sick or they're dealing with any kind of symptoms or any kind of label that the doctor gave them, I always tell them there are some dysfunctional cells somewhere in the body. That's why you are feeling the symptoms. So I don't go with labels. I just look at cells. If you have symptoms, that's a confirmation. There are some cells that are dysfunctional in the body. Oh, I love that. Symptoms equals cells. And really unpacking it from that standpoint, I think that when you're talking about cellular health, you're truly talking about root cause approach and functional health and really getting to the absolute bottom of what is going on. And I absolutely love that and think that that is such an important topic in conversation for people that are trying to heal anything, but in particular gut issues. So why is cellular function critical for overall health and also for gut health in particular? Could you maybe just break down this concept of cellular health as it relates to the gut? So when we're thinking of cells, what we're really thinking of is mitochondria. And for people that maybe don't know what that is, that is an organelle. It's a small organ within your cell that produces energy, tons of energy throughout the day. Up to 90% of the energy that the body needs is produced by the mitochondria. So when we're talking about healthy cells, we're talking about healthy mitochondria. Cells can have hundreds or thousands of mitochondria. The more mitochondria you have, the more energy, the healthier you are if they are functioning properly. So if cells are being damaged, this is going to lead to damaged tissue. And again, it's going to lead to damaged organs. So when we're having issues with gut, with our gut, let's say in the small intestine, really, what is the small intestine made of? It's cells. So every time there are damaged cells in the small intestine, we can have symptoms in the small intestine. Now, there are some interesting studies that are coming out lately that really are just scratching the surface. Like we really don't know exactly what's really the connection between the mitochondria and the gut microbiome, but there's definitely a connection. Studies have found that there's a bi-directional communication between the mitochondria and the gut microbiota. 
a lot of these studies were also looking at how gut dysbiosis, along with mitochondrial dysfunction, they play a role in the development of different chronic conditions in the GI tract. So there's this communication going on between the cells or the mitochondria and also the gut microbiota that can be the cause of all these chronic conditions that we're seeing, like IBD or IBS. It's really early to speak about this. And I was really looking into this because I thought maybe there's something cool that I can talk about but it's just, it's so new. We just know that there's this connection, this communication, but we still don't know exactly how that's playing a role. There's so many bi-directional things that we talk about in this community, the gut-brain access, the vagus nerve. It's interesting to hear about yet another thing that has this connection with the gut microbiome. Of course, we all know that pretty much everything has a connection to the gut microbiome, but I love that you talk about the mitochondria as it relates. Obviously, then the problem comes in when there does happen to be cellular damage. In your opinion, what are the main factors for cellular damage? I would say the first one would be free radicals. And these are molecules in the body that are missing electrons. So what they do is they steal electrons from other molecules. And this can be proteins. This can be enzymes. When they steal electrons from proteins, let's say the protein loses its function. So it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And this is a form of damage. So free radicals is a huge one. Free radicals can be produced just by the mitochondria. When mitochondria makes energy, it can be a byproduct of that. But it's also something that the body produces when it's exposed to pollution, when it's exposed to smoke, radiation, other environmental toxins. So free radicals is a big one. Another one would be infections. And the one that I really care about is stealth infections, the ones that are hiding and that we don't know about, that they're causing so much havoc in the body. But it can really be bacteria, it can be viruses, can be parasites. I talk a lot about parasites, yeast, fungus. Another one would be dysregulated immune system. So an immune system that is either underreacting, which means you might have chronic infections because it's just not keeping things in check, or it can be overreactive when we see autoimmunity cases. And then there's also environmental pollutants. These are huge. Anything from mycotoxins, mold toxins, heavy metals, persistent organic pollutants, all of those, they can all cause damage at the mitochondrial level. So this would be the four categories that I typically look at when I think of mitochondrial or cellular damage. I'm thinking about these categories, and I'm guessing someone else probably has this question too, but other than the ones that seem very obvious, like yeast, maybe overgrowth or a bacterial overgrowth, is there anything you can do about these on a day-to-day basis? Free radicals, environmental pollutants, there's so many things that we're bombarded with. So I would love your thoughts as to, do you personally do anything that helps to combat some of that or it is what it is? Yeah, this is where detox comes in. And when we're talking about detox, we're talking about cellular detox. That's where detox takes place. Because I know a lot of people refer to the liver, but it's not always just taking place in the liver. It's taking place in the cells. And these cells are found throughout the body. They're found in the gut. They're found in the kidneys, the skin, the liver. Detox takes place within the cell. So what we really want to do in this case is the first thing to do is reduce the exposure. That's common sense. We want to reduce the exposure as much as possible. This could mean somebody that is living in mold, they might have to move because it can make it very hard for them to heal. It could be as simple as just 
switching to more organic produce or buying meats that are not conventional to reduce that exposure. It could mean filtering your water because it's a big exposure. We drink a ton of water during the day. So exposure would be the first thing that I would focus on, just reducing the exposure. And then the second part would be really reducing that inflammation as much as possible through connection with nature, spending more time outdoors, more time in the sun, grounding a little bit more. We know that grounding reduces inflammation. There's a ton of studies on this right now. Focusing on a more nutritious diet, not having so many highly processed foods, because that's also going to help reduce those free radicals. Another thing would be reducing stress. If there's trauma that you've dealt with, working with a therapist, doing some form of work that will help you release that because trauma can also be stored in the body. So just really supporting the body as much as possible. And then we can think about detoxing. And what I mean by that is using binders. So this will really depend on the person, what they have been exposed to, what kind of toxins we're talking about, where they are in the body, because sometimes they are systemic, sometimes they're just colonized in the gut. So we would use binders in that case, but that's really how I like to do it. The first two, I would say, are the most important one. And then the detox is more something that you do with a practitioner. It's kind of like a three-pronged approach that you take. It's similar to a lot of different protocols that remove things and then they re-inoculate and it's just in a different way and for a little bit different purposes. One thing that you had mentioned earlier is you had mentioned in some way, shape, or form fatigue around cellular function. So I'm guessing that if someone is super tired, that would be a symptom. But how would one know if they have poor cellular function? Are there any clear-cut symptoms or are there tests? If someone comes to you and your gut is telling you that that's the root of what is going on, where do you start? The way I look at it is if you are coming to me with symptoms, there are some cells that are dysfunctional. Now, this doesn't mean that something went terribly wrong, but we need to support them a little bit more. Now, classic symptoms will definitely be fatigue, brain fog. These are huge because at the end of the day, the cell is where this energy is being produced. So if you're not making energy, you're going to feel fatigued. So that's a huge thing to look at. But I would say literally any symptom, it really will point at the cells at the end of the day. If we want to focus more on root causes, it's going to point to the cells. But if we want to do more tests to look at this, I would say the best test out there at the moment is probably the organic acids test. And I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's probably the best because it's easy to access. It can give us a lot of markers that can tell us how the mitochondria is doing. It can also tell us how you are doing from a nutritional perspective, whether you are deficient or not, because it's also huge. The mitochondria needs nutrients. The cells need nutrients to make this energy. So that'll be my go-to, but I would also say other tests, like the ones that are looking at, let's say, heavy metals or a mycotoxins test, they can also help us because all these toxins can also cause cellular damage. So it's good to know whether you have that exposure so that we can create a plan that can help you. The organic acids test, I get asked about that one a lot. That is a urine test, correct? Yes, it is. That's one of the tests that I have never done, and I still want to do it just because I'm curious. I think that it is such a well-rounded test. That and the GI map, from like a clinical standpoint, I think are super effective. So thanks for bringing that one up again. Those two are probably the best out there. 
I want to talk about both food and lifestyle components for healthy cells. So let's talk about everyone's favorite topic, food. What do you believe constitutes a prime cellular healing diet? In my experience and professional opinion, I would say it's a diet that is very high in nutrients, very nutrient dense. So this would be a diet where you're focusing more on whole foods as close to nature as possible. We don't want to do highly processed foods. Also, I don't support veganism. I don't support being a carnivore, nothing like that. I like having a diet that includes both plants, but also animal products because they all can give us different nutrients. But it's also important to emphasize that not all food is the same in terms of bioavailability, in terms of how well we can absorb the nutrients. When we're talking about animal products, it's much easier for us to absorb nutrients from animal products than it is from plants. But plants also play a huge role. If we need more fiber in the diet, that would be plants. If we need a little bit more fermented foods for the prebiotics, for the good gut bacteria, that would be plants. So we need both of them. We need a ton of protein. Protein is so important because it helps us heal. It helps us have glutathione in the body. We need amino acids to make glutathione. This is a major antioxidant in the body. So I would say Just a nourishing diet, a diet that focuses on whole foods, both plants and animals, getting enough protein during the day, not depriving yourself. Because I work with a lot of women that think they're eating enough, but they are not. So that's something that I see a lot. It is as basic as that. I echo those sentiments. People always think that they are eating enough. And even if they are, so often it's just not dense enough and the nutrients aren't there. There's such a difference in feeling full and actually being satisfied due to the appropriate nutrients that we need in order to survive and function. So I am so curious, are there a couple of your favorite nutrient-dense foods that you just absolutely love? I eat um, a lot of animal products. I love raw dairy. I love beef, organ meats because they're very nutrient dense. I do a lot of starchy veggies like root vegetables because they're so easy to digest. And seeing how hard it is nowadays with people having so many digestive issues, inability breaking food down, seeing undigested food in their stool, I feel like we should shoot for veggies that are easier to digest. And I find root vegetables to be the easiest. I also love fermented foods. And then I eat a lot of dark chocolate. That's great for you. I do green tea because of all the good compounds that it has. I do capers for the quercetin. And then a a ton of water, mineralized water. And fruits. I also love fruits for hydration. What an awesome list. I think, gosh, I have to get someone on the show to have a whole podcast episode around raw dairy. Every time I mention it, I get a lot of questions and or people that are saying no way, never. But when we lived in California, there was, I don't know if you've ever heard of organic pastures. They're one of the, I would say, most commonly known larger organic raw producers in the United States. And they're in California. And they were only like an hour or two from where I lived and I actually went to their farm. I met them. I met all their cows. I actually went into the room with a hair nut and everything where they were making their cheese and doing them. I mean, it was so fascinating. And when I was healing, I was like in the thick of my healing then and I could get my hands on raw dairy. It was the only dairy that I could tolerate that didn't make me feel ill. And I 
I was perfectly fine with it. So I love that you mentioned that. Thank you. Yeah, it comes with enzymes. You know, all the good stuff that it's supposed to be in there, it comes with all of that. So it makes it easier to digest. I've found that a lot of people, even with dairy intolerance, sometimes they can reverse that just by starting introducing raw dairy. Yeah, I found that too. So besides a great diet plan, what are some lifestyle habits for cellular detoxification and optimal function? You had already mentioned the water filter, which I also echo, but what else would you say? If we're talking about cellular function, it would be caloric restriction. This is huge. There's a ton of studies supporting this. Now, I wouldn't say this is appropriate for everyone. There are women out there that are so stressed, their hormones are completely out of balance. So it might not be a good approach for them. But generally speaking, it is something that works at the cellular level. And we're talking about either limiting the time that you eat food or just doing intermediate fasting, fasting for 16 hours a day. And this can be done periodically. So any caloric restriction is great for cellular health and the mitochondria. Another thing would be sun exposure. This one is huge, especially if you're getting sun exposure during sunrise and sunset, because this is where you can get a ton of red light. People spend so much money on red light therapy. You can just go outside and get it for free during sunrise and sunset. The mitochondria loves this. It can strengthen the mitochondria. Another thing would be cold exposure. A lot of people talk about this too. Cold exposure, cold showers, cold plunges. It increases mitochondrial numbers and also mitochondria activity. So super important. I would also say regular exercise. Exercise is so huge. Not just strength training, but just any form of exercise. It does increase the number of the mitochondria. It improves their function. It improves their structure. So it's essential, really. So those four, that's what I can think of. I hear a lot about cold exposure and I've been wanting to try it more. I am so sensitive to cold. I live in Minnesota, so and you live where it snows too, but it is cold here. So I'm not really just talking about that, but I remember I did a Spartan race when we lived in California and there's a part where you have to jump into cold water and you're supposed to go underneath a rope and then come out the other side or whatever, but it's super cold. As soon as my body hit that cold water, the whole thing, my whole body froze up. I had to get out. I thought I was maybe going to have to stop the race because that's how much pain my body was in. Does that mean anything? Because I know a lot of people that just do not tolerate the cold at all. But then you hear like it's so detoxifying and it's so great for the body. Is there anything to that? I think that's where everyone starts. I think it's hard for everyone at first, but to start this, I would say you can use a bucket, fill it up with water, ice, and just put your face in the bucket. Start with that. So something small, keep doing that. And then the more you do that, the body gets used to it. So it's going to be much easier to do cold plunges or cold showers. And when you do them, you can just do them for a few seconds. It doesn't have to be minutes until you get to a point that the body can tolerate it. Just like anything else, a little bit of stress, you adapt. A little bit of stress, you adapt. So I think just getting used to it, but it is hard for everyone. I would say it's hard for me as well. So yes, this is very normal. Good. I'm not, I'm not feeling as <laughs> I'm not feeling as off anymore because I was always like, is am I the only one that it's physically painful? So that's good though to know. Even just do feet or some face into a little bucket and then grow from there. Okay. Is there anything we haven't covered that you want to talk about in particular as it relates to cellular health that you think people should know? Probably mostly as it pertains to their gut healing journey. That would be probably best. 
Sarah, anything about cellular health, it's good for your gut. If we can target that, if we can support your cells, if we can support mitochondria, this is good for literally any disease out there. You cannot go wrong with that. It's very foundational. So I would say as long as you're supporting the cells, you are definitely supporting your gut. For some people, you're going to need to personalize it a little bit more. It might not be enough, but it is a pretty good foundation. I would say probably one thing that I have started to talk more about, especially on my Instagram lately, it's our exposure to non-native EMF. So our phone, Wi-Fi, computers, they do affect our mitochondria as well. So there's studies coming out on this, on how mitochondria produces more free radicals when it is exposed to EMF. That's something to be a little bit more mindful for because I feel it's overlooked. And I always tell my clients, if you're going out and you have your phone on you, just put it on airplane mode, turn off Wi-Fi at night, small things that you can do like that, unplugging devices at home that you're not using because we are bombarded by this. It's very unnatural, the level that we're exposed to. It's so unnatural. So that'll be another thing that I think people need to know about because it's overlooked, but it's also everywhere. So it's important. Yeah, we're hearing more and more about that. I always wonder to what extent. I know for me personally, one thing that I did that helped my healing journey was to start using a lot of blue light blockers, especially at night, because I made this massive correlation between sleep and gut healing. I actually have them on right now. The last several hours of every single day now, I wear them. We just hear so many more things about EMFs than, like you said, the non-native ones. And I wonder how much that's all playing into our overall health as a society. I'm sure we'll find a lot more about this in the upcoming years. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this show, her Instagram is so wonderful. It's filled with things like healthy habits, quantum biology, circadian rhythm, detoxing, etc., I think recently you have been talking a little bit more about menstruation and drainage, and it's just very, very interesting, especially for my listeners who are 98% female. I think it's just a wealth of information. So I find myself, when I'm looking at your Instagram, just very curious as to what a day in your life looks like. So I thought it would be fun to start to wrap the show up. If you want to just go through the activities that you do, foods that you always or never eat, and you did mention a lot about the foods, which was awesome, supplements you take or anything else that really is a part of your day. I prioritize my time outdoors. I make that a priority. If there's something that I need to do and I can do that outside, I will do it outside. I try to spend time outdoors as much as possible, away from technology if possible. I do go on hikes almost daily. That's how I connect with nature. I love doing that. I spend a lot of time in the sun almost daily. I would say pretty much all day long, but I like to get the sunset light, that red light, almost on a daily basis. I do miss the sunrise quite a lot, but I do spend a lot of time outdoors. Another thing that I like to do is start my day with a ketogenic breakfast. This is one way that I found out it works very well for me, controlling my blood sugar throughout the day, stabilizing my hormones. So I shoot for a lot of protein and healthy fats, not so many carbs for breakfast. I also move my body a lot, like I talked about hiking, but I also do weightlifting. I've incorporated that lately, doing two to three times a week weightlifting. And then I eat a lot of foods that are 
close to nature, whole foods, as many of those as possible. A lot of fermented foods. I do a lot of animal protein, really just staying away from highly processed foods. That's really my goal with my diet. And then the last thing that I focus on a lot is my sleep. I'm huge on that. I've been working on my sleep for the past two years, trying to hack it every possible way, improving my REM sleep, improving my deep sleep. It plays such a crucial role on our overall health and also gut health. So just getting my eight hours, but getting good quality sleep, that's priority for me. And those are things that I do on a daily basis. I don't know if you wanted to talk about something more specific, but that's kind of like an overview. No, that's great. Are there any supplements that you take to enhance maybe your cellular function or do you just do it all through food and lifestyle? I do take supplements. I take supplements on a daily basis. I always take a probiotics. I try to rotate them, but I do stick with spore-based probiotics the most. I take a magnesium supplement on a daily basis. Most people are deficient in magnesium because the soil is so depleted. So I highly recommend people looking into this because if you are deficient, that will impair cellular health. Every cell needs magnesium to make energy. That's a big one. Also, I take beef liver on a daily basis. I am still looking for a butcher where I can get liver, uh, but I'm just supplementing with that for now because it does have so many good nutrients that we need and it's very nutritious. It's the most nutritious food actually on the planet. So those would be my top three that I use on a daily basis. Love it. My sister-in-law, she is awesome. And she found my brother and her and my husband and I a wonderful organic farm that's local. About four months ago, we got ourselves a cow. I think we each got like a fourth or a half of the cow. And I was filling out the questionnaire. So I think we get it this weekend. I was filling out the questionnaire last week. One of the questions was, do you want the bones? Do you want this, this, this? And because I'm so obsessed with living in this world and healing, of course, I want the bones because I want to make bone broth. But one of the questions was about the organ meat. Do you want the liver? Do you want the tongue? Do you want this, that, and the other? And then if you said yes, they asked pretty much, how do you want it? And because I know that we have lots of liver here, but it, you know, it's definitely an acquired taste. It can be very off-putting to many, which is why a lot of people will just choose to do the beef liver capsules. But like you, I prefer to do the full form whenever possible. And so I am just having them take it and basically grind it into some of the ground beef to kind of offset the taste, but yet you're still getting it into the ground beef. So I love that. And yeah, if you can find a really high quality beef, you know, that's optimal, right? That's awesome. And that is so smart that you're mixing it with the ground beef. I've told that to so many clients that hate the taste and it works so well. So that's awesome. Yeah, you have to do that. That's how I get my kids to eat it too. And you can just even puree it. And then it's pretty much the way that we do it so that the kids can't taste it at all is we puree it. And we put maybe like a third of it to like a whole thing of beef, whether it's two pounds or whatever, but you have to definitely, it's not like a one-to-one ratio by any means, but you also don't need that. It's so dense that a little bit goes a long ways. And then I love what you said about the magnesium as well. I have a supplement line coming out and I definitely put magnesium in there because of the reasons that you mentioned. Most people are deficient in it. It's a reason in this community for a lot of constipation, and then just the soil depletion in our food supply. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. So very cool. Okay. So 
tell us how we can find you and connect. I think one question people are going to be wondering is, you talk about your clients, but do you have a practice? If you do, is it in person? Is it online? Just tell us more about the ways that we can connect with you. I do have a practice. I work virtually. I don't meet with clients one-on-one because they're all over the globe. I work with people worldwide. The best way to connect with me is through Instagram. And you'll probably have my name because it's easier for them to see than me like pronouncing it. But yeah, that'll be the best way to get in touch with me. To wrap it up, at the end of my interviews, I always ask my guests for their three convictions around gut health and gut healing. For reference, mine are heal your gut, heal your life, everything is beautiful in its time, and no one will ever advocate for your health in the ways you can. Show up and glow up for you. So I would love to know what your convictions around gut health and gut healing are. I love those three. I would say my first one is definitely you are not your diagnosis. My second one would be your body can heal if you give it the right environment. And this applies to your gut. And my third one would be whenever you feel confused about your health and your wellness, connect more with nature. I love that one. I do have a question that I thought of. (laughs) Sorry, just one more thing. So you live in Pennsylvania. You're outside a lot. What do you do in the winter? Do you just bundle up and go outside? Or do you spend less time than outside? I do spend less time, yes, because I hate the cold. I know. (laughs) But I still do. I do spend quite a bit of time outside, but not as much as in the summer. I know. Me too. I make it a priority almost every single day that it's nice out in Minnesota, spring, summer, and fall, to walk around the lake and to be outside as much as possible. And then I have to bite my tongue and just suck it up a lot in the winter time because there's still a lot of sunshine, but it's just so cold. Yeah, I hate the cold. I really do. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Paola. And to you out there, thank you for joining us. I will see you again next time. Thank you, Sarah.